Hello, welcome to the Metapod of Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. We have with us a dingus. My name is Jake, if you do not know. Church's gameplay, you may know me as, but to my right, theoretically, <laughs> to my right, because we actually don't live in the same place, because, you know, pandemic. But I have Pokemon Extraordinaire Digimon <laughs> Prodigy. Digidestined is, I think, what they call it, right? Digidestined Gyro Sean. <laughs> Hi. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I like how I'm always to your right. So if we ever do a live show, I ha- I think canonically I have to be to your right. Um, well, the thing is, like my my right arm is the dominant arm, so I always like raise the right arm. You gesture with that arm. Yeah, I gesture with this arm, so you have to be on the right. Well, I plus mean- when I wear like sweatshirts and stuff, my tattoo shows on the right side. So, so cool, so cool, um, so cool. I love well, tattoos. I was gonna say like before this pod, so. We each had, as you mentioned, like some some ups and then also some downs. Right before we started recording this, I popped into Jake's stream uh, over on Twitch uh, and uh, witnessed, oh, a very unfortunate series of events. It was pain. <laughs> it was suffering. Uh, I've been doing a I've been doing a Nuzlocke of Pokemon Emerald. We completed a sub goal for that, and uh, chat. I have like little incentives, so then chat can affect the playthrough. And the community can have a little bit of fun in my pain and suffering. And uh, they they did it so that I can only bring four Pokemon to the Tate and Liza gym in Emerald. And Tate and Liza, man, I don't remember them being that difficult when I was a kid. But holy Toledo, they wiped me twice. They wiped me twice. I'm running out of Pokemon, oh, Sean. I saw that you were, when I popped in, it was like, into a heel stall. <laughs> yeah, I was doing a heel like, stall. I was trying to be Waylord stall back in 20, like 15 nationals. It, but it's Waylord stall if if you had to use hyper potion every turn to stay alive. I did. And then I thought I, I tried to do the math in my head and I mm. thought I was going to live because like the move that I was trying to stall out lowers your special defense occasionally. And so it, it will do more damage to you if it does. And I I admit I didn't get the math calc right and math it, is hard it destroyed me math, math this is, is not my strong suit but that <laughs> is why there's only 60 cards in a deck Sean that's right it's easy easy for me but you know what else is easy you playing Digimon yeah apparently Tell us a little bit about your weekend in Digimon I uh, I had a very good weekend it's so funny my first ever um top tier result from a large event did not come in Pokemon. It came in Digimon of all things. I, um, I was in, so Bandai, which is the company that makes Digimon. Um, they held like a weekend, like two different tournaments, uh, over the weekend, uh, for each region, I should say. So I obviously did the U S region, uh, the U S tournament. Uh, but it was like, you know, a Saturday event, and then there was a Sunday event. They weren't day twos. You just did one day or another, or you could do both technically. But I did the Sunday event, and there was like 190-some-odd players in the um, Sunday event with me. And somehow, somehow, I went 5-2 and two and got 15th place out of 190-plus people, which absolutely... I mean, I wouldn't say somehow. Sean was playing what I consider in my limited knowledge, as the BDIF <laughs> in Blue Omnimon. Yes, it is. Look, it's a limited card pool. You have basically one set to build from. Uh, but, yeah, I was playing, like, probably the best deck as far as, like, broad what the quote-unquote best is. I mean, I think Omnimon made up 9 out of 16 of the decks in top 16 yesterday. It's definitely the ADPZ. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that type of deck. But... You know, I had to I had to beat a mirror to get there. I had to beat two other red decks, one of which also played Omni. So I had to beat a couple of Omnis on my way to Omni success. And just for comparison's sake, that tournament was about the same size as the recent GG Tour Chill TCG Showdown. $250 cash prize free entry, which had 196 people that just happened this past weekend so sean congratulations i was in sean's stream twitch stream mm-hmm. i actually i feel like i learned a lot to be honest it seems actually like really simple like it's got a lot of mechanics but they're not hard to understand 
Yeah, I, there's always any new game is going to have some level of learning curve. Oh, um, yeah. but I think the benefit of this game, especially if you were to not to like pimp this game, this is not what the Metapod's about. We are a Pokemon, but <laughs> I, I I will say, um, it, it's because it's so early in the game as well. The number of mechanics is relatively small. Um, especially if I compare it to like Dragon Ball Super, which is another card game that Bandai makes. That game is so freaking convoluted. I, I mean, it's fun, but I'm also like, people are doing things and I'm like, I have no idea how you are doing half the things you did on your turn, but I'm just going to trust that you're reading the cards right because there's like 40 words on every single card. And I'm like, this is too, too dang much. Now, trust is not something that I would ever want. <laughs> I mean, but. I'm playing among friends, so I'm like, well, I mean, if you're really trying to trying to get one over on me, that's that's brutal. But anyways. yeah, that's your problem. That's your problem. But uh, speaking, do we just go straight into yeah. other tournaments that oh, yeah. happened, or we well, go into our five star? No, no. Uh, well, let's go into our five star review now because we have a we have a whole myriad of topics today. All right. So our five star review of the day comes from Not Bot Leggy. I think I know who this is. Uh, Mr. Nambo Kim, thank you so much for the uh, five-star review. Uh, very welcoming pair of casters while young in their TCG career shows great depth and willingness to improve their brand and themselves. I hear the genuine honesty in their voices and they draw you in like LCS regulars. The honesty in the voices is when I get pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Something that's exactly, that's exactly what that refers to. I already know it. I intend to support their adventure and look towards the heights this little podcast can grow into. Cheers, Jake and Sean. Leggy, <laughs> cheers to you too. Here's me opening up my drink. This is me. I have a I have a ginger ale that looks like a beer. So uh, cheers. I have a G Fuel. <laughs> Why am I drinking G Fuel at right. like almost nine o'clock at night? Don't ask. Oh wait, you don't have a G Fuel code you want to shill here? No, not quite. <laughs> I, I mean, I I support people that have G Fuel codes. Oh, yeah. Use code PKMNCast. All right, there you go. Some discount. I don't have a code, but if G Fuel wants to give me a code, I don't have a I'm code. More than happy to yet plug it in the pod, shove <laughs> it in the pod forcefully. Just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, including some of the big tournaments that happened this past weekend. Um, a new bit of news that was kind of dropped that will actually be fully announced after this podcast airs, or what we assume is after this podcast airs later today some progress in the team challenge, and then a much bigger topic when it comes to online tournaments that you're not probably thinking of. I, I know you're probably thinking first reaction that you've seen on Twitter, some memes. It's not that, I promise. Anyways, Sean, yes. big tournaments happen. Let's start out with the, uh, I guess, kind of the big kahuna that was recorded weeks ago. Uh -huh. The Players' Cup 2. Sean, what happened to the Players' Cup 2? Players' Cup 2, uh... I didn't watch it, but uh, what Facebook and Twitter is telling me is that Zach Lesage took home the gold uh, with a Picaram deck, which, you know, regular listeners to the pod and regular regular players uh, will probably not be surprised that Picaram is good. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, Picaram, it's like anyone who says Picaram is not good now, you're just asking to be made a fool of later. So, yes, that's... Agreed. That's what Pikaram is that deck. So yeah, Pikaram taking home gold. Uh, Jake, do you know what what else did well in the Players Cup too? Or like you know, it wasn't really on my radar in terms of watching, to be honest. But I'll be real, it wasn't really on my radar either. Uh, mostly because it's here's the thing. Here's the thing with the Players Cup, in my opinion, and why I didn't, I don't really enjoy it and watch it is because it is a it is a pre-recorded match and match matches how many times can i say matches it's pre-recorded matches that happened like 2 weeks ago so it's a it's a very undefined underdeveloped meta that people are going through and especially with the online space which we can talk about later um or we can touch on these points later the online meta has created this the format to develop so fast because there's so many events and we get so many results and there's so there's there's a ton of people that enter in these so it's a, it's a big sphere of people so 
I mean, this is kind of the first iterations. If you look at Zach Losage's list, this is kind of the first iterations of Picaram minus the two Mewtwo's. Mm-hmm. Zach Losage had two Mewtwo and Mew GXs. Props to him. People are kind of doing that all the time now. Um, so I believe this would have been kind of the first iteration of Picaram implementing Mew and Mewtwo. Um, the group that helped Zach Losage define this list, Danny Altavilla, Uncle Habibi. I, I don't know. Sorry, who that I is, butchered but... your name. Gabriel Smart and then Caleb Rogerson. Known members in the Pokemon TCG community. Um, so a lot of big brains that are helping develop this deck. So very, very cool, but like got the it's got the Vikavolt in there, it's got the crushing hammers, it's got the team yell grunt. You know, it it feels aside from the Mewtwo's, it kind of feels like the first week of vivid voltage again. That's what that's what this feels like to me. Um so like would this same list hold up? Let's say if somebody participated in the upcoming full grip online series happening later or well that's expanded so that's a really bad analogy <laughs> that would be particularly a bad list <laughs> but anyways like uh like one of the big regionals quote unquote regionals happening you know would it would it do well in that format i don't know about that i i really don't know Rutro, my um, cat is going absolutely bonkers in this room hold up real quick well tell the cat i said hello i will all right I just feel like, especially with the Players' Cup, it's cool to watch. Congrats to Zach Lesage. I'm not going to take anything away from that victory because... Oh, yeah. I would. Yeah, yeah, it's I agree. incredible to win Big the entire Players' Cup and, and shout-outs to him. Yes. Shout-outs to him. Incredible player. Very, very... I mean, he's been, in, he's been in the game for a while, and he's been up at the top in numerous events for a while. So um, I don't discredit anything to him. Yeah. And... Yeah, but I just I just feel like I don't know. It's an underdeveloped meta. You can learn some things like when Tord brought the the Inteleon, right? When Darkness or I'm sorry, Rebel Clash was first released in the Players Cup in that in that um top 16 or whatever yeah, bracket yeah. in the final phase. You know, that was exciting because nobody had ever really thought of Inteleon up to that point um or tried to make it work. But it really doesn't surprise me that Pikaram is the number one because as we said time and time again, Pikaram is old reliable at this point. It will be around until the day that it rotates. Yep. I, yeah, I, it's just, you know, we were, we were talking about like the topics today and, and one of the things that came up was this, uh, this idea of what will the defining deck of the, I'm calling it post Zoroark, Zoroark GX era B because I'd say, you know, Lost Thunder back. Um, you know, obviously, I think the, the Zorark is like the card, I would imagine, right? Everyone talks fondly about trade. Everyone talks fondly about the, uh, you know, double colorless beat stick that was Zorark GX. Um, and, you know, everyone loves to hate on tag teams, which is fair. Uh, and I would say just in that era, Pikaram, though, will be the one that's, Probably most remembered. Uh, it's going to be a close match between Pikaram and ADP. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I don't think there has been any deck that has seen success on the same time scale um, as Pikaram, to be honest. Like, well, I mean, you look at Pikaram was having success back when like Zorak was a deck, right? Oh, back yeah. For post rotation where Henry Brand won the 20. 20- 19 yeah 2019 world's the last world champion the last official IRL world championships that we had so i do think that pikaram is that defining deck of this era i think it's defining in the fact that it's been alive just for this long you know people have thought it to be dead again and again and again and again and then all of a sudden oh pikaram it's back full blitz is still good who knew tag bolt is still good gets these additional cards like Bolton and Raichu Raichu and Vikavold even to a small extent. You know, Pikaram is just continuously good and people are continuously making it work. Now, ADP has a different effect, in my opinion, and a different defining situation where it's it's kind of made it bad. I don't know if Pikaram really made the format terrible. No, I I don't think 
I would say like Picaram on its own. I don't think Picaram. I think actually Picaram keeps two and three prizer decks in check. I genuinely do because of Tag Bolt and Choo Choo. So you have either Paralysis or taking a bunch of extra prizes with Energy Switch or Tag Switch. Um, and you also even have things like Bolton now, which late game could potentially come in and swing for Okos on things. Um, so I actually think Picaram is a good deck at keeping those two prize and three prize decks in check. The problem is the thing that would keep Picaram in check, uh, you know, it doesn't need it, but um, ADP, yeah, ADP, like I think Picaram struggles with single prizers because it is, at least the way it's currently built now, obviously if it was a different meta, it might be built differently, but... You know, currently it's built in a very like you know GX two prizer and above heavy fashion. Um, Plays no one prizers right. except Coco. Yeah, and Coco's not really. It's not. It's just energy no. excel in the form of a Pokemon. Um, so yeah, like you know, outside of Desigoons, like there's just like so much gatekeeping from ADP on one prizers that it actually I think ADP makes Picaram better because it takes all the matchups that Picaram is probably less good against, which is like. You know, you think back when um, Tina, Giratina, uh, and Malamar, Malitina was like a... Yeah, I mean, you talk about Malamar, you talk about, like, Spiritomb, you talk about Donphan, you talk yeah. about Desigoons, you already mentioned, the new tool drop, Whimsicott, Blacephalon, yeah. non-Crobat V-deck. Yeah, yeah, no. I saw, I saw that tweet, I think you responded to it, and I was like, it's like we're, it, it was Crobat V-deck, and I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. That's definitely a Crobat V with, a, I don't know, just one rando Blacephalon thrown in there. Yeah, I mean, not that Blacephalon's been around since like May of 2019 and prevalent oh. in the standard format God. since its existence in Unbroken Bonds, but you know. Can't tell if Pokemon is trolling us with that. <laughs> yeah, I get that thing slipped through the cracks, but that I, that's tough. That's tough. I feel bad for the art director. A whole, that, to go through a whole like social media team, nobody caught that. Not a single person. I mean, yeah. If somebody was like, I mean, I, I don't fault them too much because like, you know, if you're just, the, art, if you're just the designer, you're like, okay, just make labels for each of these and, uh, and put it together and you're good to go. And he's like, well, which one? What do I call this deck? Uh, well, the Vs. Vs are the good ones, right? Okay, it's a Crobat. Here's, here's the thing about the game as well. They've made these two and three prizes so prevalent, right? That I mean, it's it's yeah. the social media team, it's these developer people, whatever. They look at this and they see a two prizer in Crobat B, and they're like, "Oh, the deck has to be focused around this." Yeah, I mean, you know, there's. I was gonna say, that, give it two months and there will be a Crobat V deck, but <laughs> with V Max. What Crobat V Max? Garbage. Garbage? All right. Well, garbage. that's we won't get into that today. That garbage today. But what other thoughts do you have about the whole Picaram as a defining deck? I don't think Picaram has the same defining status as Zorark did, though. I think a lot of people, when they'll hear like defining in this post Zorark GX meta, a lot of people may think that at least me is referring to like. Picaram having the same impact as Zorark, which I don't think is true. Yeah. I don't think it's true. I think Zorark had way more functionality and like different ways it was utilized. You know, it was it was its own attacking deck. It was a control deck. It was a it was a thing you can implement in decks like Desi, right? Decidui had it a long time, you know. Like Zorark was able to be put in so many things and Zorak was such a flexible card where Picaram, it's been its own archetype and that's really all it's been featured in i mean just now at its bare end of its existence at the bare end of its existence because uh team up released when like uh oh yeah no like literally like february, february of 2019 yeah and just now, we are now seeing it in something like a Mewtwo box where Picaram is not like the main engine, so to speak, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. There's equal numbers of Picaram and Mewtwo and Muse. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I, I guess you can call this a Picaram deck, but you could also just call it a Mewtwo, a lightning Mewtwo box and call it a day. 
Yeah, whereas in comparison, Zorark had so it was paired with so many different things during its lifespan. It was it's it's an unreal card. It's a super great card. I mean, it goes down as obviously one of the fan favorites, but um, there's a difference in impact. I feel like. Yeah, but I I think for its time, it's defining. But compared to you know, if you you'll you think about like a Hall of Fame, right? If you had to do a Pokemon TCG Hall of Fame, oh, that's kind of an interesting idea. I don't know enough about old stuff, though, but for other people out there. I would actually, there, you know what we could, oh, Sean, I'll talk to you about this after the pod. Okay, after the pod. No leaks. No okay, leaks. No leaks. <laughs> but yeah, if you did like the Hall of Fame, like, yeah, the Hall of Famer in one era may not be as good as a Hall of Famer in a previous era, but they're both still Hall of Famers because you can only compare them to their era. You know, it's the old MJ LeBron debate. Who's better? Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's just, I think it's really interesting. I don't know. The good news is we did see Pikaram and Zorik match up with each other at like one point in time. Yep. Just like LeBron and MJ. There was like a two-year overlap. Yeah, there was a, there was a <laughs> small slide overlap where MJ was out of its prime and, and playing for the Washington Wizards. And you're like, yeah. what's happening here? Anyways, speaking of new things coming in, there is a new mechanic coming soon to the Pokemon trading card game that is going to be released by, or I mean, announced, I should say, by Creatures today. Today, as you're hearing this on the podcast. Now, we don't know what time it's going to be today. It could have released at like 8 a.m. It could have released at 5 p.m. on Tuesday, but it's been told that it will release sometime on Tuesday. It is called the new Battle Style Pokemon V. Now, we didn't get too much context, but we know um, the next set single strike master and rapid strike master which is going to be a dual set is going to feature urshifu so there's vague references to urshifu on it there's not much like information product descriptions are purposely vague and that's as pokey beach is saying which is the site that i'm reading it off of it's meant to just cause excitement you know but is this this is basically like the world's announcement right yeah i guess this would probably you're probably right yeah this would have been what like you know last worlds they announced v max and v's and it was like oh everybody freaked out this might have been what was on the agenda for worlds it was like okay in terms of tcg mechanics battle style feels like you know they had tag team one year then v max and now it's this battle style and battle style being that rapid strike and first strike um a single strike, if you will. Um, so in terms of what it is, now there are some, there was some talk that, you know, it won't just apply to Pokemon, that this will have an application on trainer cards as well. So you would see, you know, single strike trainers and you'll also see rapid strike trainers potentially. Um, or maybe trainers like the uh, Misty and Lorelei or Mal and Lana that have like dual text. So you might have a trainer that's like, if you play this card you know, all single strike Pokemon get X and all rapid strike Pokemon get Y. Um, I don't know. You could easily see that being a way of like not having to duplicate or find all the different trainers that apply to different things. But so I think it's a cool announcement. Um, people have talked about like, well, I think we've even talked about like it might harken back to like ancient traits or some other type of car, like card text that like is specific mm -hmm. to that printing of a card but what do you think jake what do you if you had to if you had to theory theory mon on what a single strike or a rapid strike pokemon uh would do like what's the unique thing for those those ones i gotta go i think we've talked about something like this on the pod before but i feel like the the ancient trade thing comes back so like i think of like benelby Benelby was allowed to attack twice. It could either bring a card from your deck or from your discard pile into your deck, or you could choose to discard a card from your opponent's deck. I feel like that's that's what Rapid Strike feels like to me. It's going to be able to do something twice. But that's like that's at a very basic level, and that only applies to like a couple Pokemon, right? I mean, I don't know how you do that with trainers at that point. It's 
I mean, you may just have trainer support, right? That says like, um, I think uh, Luke from Celios Network made an interesting video about some of the old uh, mechanics. Like, you know, you had the Holon, uh, the Holon farmer. And like, you basically had cards that could go out and search out cards with, that had that text in their name. So you could have oh, okay. a card that's like a, a rapid strike search card. That like is, a tag call, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for just the things with those battle styles, um, mm -hmm. yeah, or, or like maybe it gets it from the grave, or who knows? The um, grave, man, you're grave. into Digimon now. Oh no, you? oh no, it's the trash in Digimon. It's oh. the discard in Pokemon. Um, what is the what is the what is the garbage? The Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, the grave, I think. No, I think the, I oh, think no, that's magic. Might... That's magic. Oh, is that the grave is in magic? Okay. I'm pretty sure that's the I don't grave. know Anyways, nothing about continue, that. Continue on, Sean. But yeah, I think that that could be what the trainers are. Um, I think part of me wants to believe, yeah, like that rapid strike means hit twice. And what I would love to know is like back in those days, if you had like that Benelbi or some other Mons that got to hit twice, um, it sets up interesting um, strategy where if you can like get Pokemon down to a certain le like you know health level, and then like you hit them once, knock them out, and then you force your opponent to put something else in the active that you can hit into and weaken. So yes. that I think that's a pretty cool like you know strategizing that it can give you of like you know setting up like taking your prizes on one, setting up three prizes on another the following turn, and putting your opponent into these weird. Um, you know, checkmate situations. So I like that. And if that, you know, cause they're going to have like, they're going to be um, yin and yang, if you will. So if one of them is to strike twice, then single strike, it's a tough one, right? Cause like if single strike is just, it hits harder. Uh, I like in the games, Jake, what the, uh, the Urshifu that has like the, the rap, the single strike or the uh, first strike, if you will. The single strike will hit hard one time. But the rapid strike will hit hard three times. But I think they do the same amount of damage overall. Okay. I think they do the same amount of damage. It's just that it could, but it's not like you can do for so for the rapid strike, for the rapid strike Urshifu, it hits three times. It's not like you hit you hit twice on one Pokemon, that Pokemon faints, you hit the other Pokemon once. It's not like that. Mm -hmm. It's just up to three times on one Pokemon. Um so that could be I, I don't know how you I mean implement I, that. I mean the only thing that I can think of is like the rapid strike is like the Benelbi ancient trait where you can attack twice, and then the single strike is just a big heavy hitter brick wall. Huh. I mean, for me though, it's like if if it's if you can't hit more than one Pokemon, like if you have to hit into the same and if it dies, then you your attack is done. Then it's to me that would end up being just some silly gimmick because it's like, well, it's the same amount of damage regardless. You know what I mean? Like if you say, oh, do you do 50 damage, but you strike twice. And then it's like, well, just say that it's 100 damage. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, and then it well, makes here's the thing with Benelby. Like you can do the attack once, but you don't have to go straight into the other attack. You could do other things. Oh, because normally, yeah, so, I guess like, you could you can do 50 on the active. All right, takes a knockout. They bring out a, up a, another Pokemon. Maybe you don't want that Pokemon up. You can use Boss. That so there, yeah. That else. that is interesting because usually the attack phase, because um, I I haven't played with that Penelope, but usually like when you hit attack on the attack phase, like that enters a new phase of play. Basically, I'm and like ninety percent sure. I'm like ninety to ninety five percent sure that that's how I didn't play during that era. Um, in expanded, I haven't really done much with the Benelbi because that's complex expanded control, and I'm not ready for that <laughs> in expanded. But but um, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I'm pretty sure Azul did maybe not something similar because the Benelbi is kind of a bad example. Um, Benelbi is a bad example because you're not actually like hitting your opponent. Okay. Um, you're just doing you're doing things with either your deck or their deck. Um. But I think if I think if Azul wanted to have done that, I think he could have. Well, if that's the case, then I could see. Okay, that that's interesting. If you get to attack, do something else and attack again, that would be interesting. And then if the single strike has support, that's like you know 
single strike Pokemon on your turn do 50 more damage, right? Like a, like a trainer Ooh. card or a supporter card. Um, Say goodbye to Leon. Right. Oh, I mean, it, but it only applies to Pokemon that have that, that battle um, style. Like that becomes like, okay, cool. Now I can see like, it's more than just a, you know, a, a way to describe a Pokemon that hits hard. It's actually a mechanic that limits the use of some cards. To me, like that, that becomes like, you know, items that you can only attach to different battle styles, right? That could be cool. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I'm not a mastermind. I don't know how to build a card game. I don't know how to, I barely know how to play the Pokemon trading card game. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know what this could be. I'll be waiting on it. Um, hopefully it comes out while I'm streaming. That would be actually really cool to I watch, mean, but. I will it say seems we, like this is just going to be a random drop that happens. Either this 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 podcast segment will age very well or age very poorly. It will age so I poorly mean, it will be irrelevant within the hour it comes out. It's it's literally like every other podcast that would happen before us guessing. It's just a guess. It's just no. A guess. None of us have insider knowledge. Highly doubt it. At least. <laughs> Anyways, well. you may have some insider knowledge when it comes to the team challenge, especially because now that those tournaments are underway, you may know things such as the meta that you are facing in your team challenge. Sean, have you competed in a team challenge yet? I have not. My, uh, my local has not had their team challenge. That is happening on Thursday, I believe. Yeah, Thursday the 17th. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just to all the pod listeners out there, um, if you're looking for a local still, if you haven't competed and you're still, like, you know, either on the fence or looking for a spot, I know our locals is uh, on the smaller side. So, you know, uh, it's called Third Universe. Third Universe, if you just you look it up on the uh, Team Challenge site, it should be near the top, actually, because it uses numbers in its name. <laughs> That's how indexing works. But, yeah, Third Universe... Uh, if, if we, I think we probably might need a couple of extra people throughout the course of the, uh, the tournament series. So, uh, if you're looking for a place to hang, then you can hang with me, uh, and, uh, and, and come whoop my butt, but no, I've I have already not competed. competed in the, uh, I've already competed in a team challenge tournament. My store had one just this, uh, past weekend. Um, it was a lot of fun. It's pretty cool. Very interesting though, to see the meta. You sleeved up and Togekiss, I, right? No, I oh, sleeved okay. up Decidueye. Oh, oh, Desigoons. Okay. Yeah, I sleeved up Decidueye. I just felt like Decidueye was a better opportunity, you know, because I don't think a lot of people would expect it. You know, I think about my local area, and most people play like, what is meta? You know, so you'll see, you'll see some ADP, mm -hmm. you'll see some uh, Picaram, you'll see. Maybe some blounds, some baby blounds as well. Santa Scorch, um, Eternatus. Yeah, you'll just see the meta stuff, the big time meta stuff. But I went in, and I don't know if it's just because, you know, a lot of the not so frequent people were playing. Um, or I should say, not the, it wasn't the people that I was thinking of, I should say. Um, there was a lot of not. Picaram. There was like one Picaram. There was no Senna Scorch. There was, I think, three ADPZ out of the 14 people. So that was very interesting. There was a lot of Luke Metal, which Luke Metal, I'm terrified of that matchup, especially if they play the little baby Stunfisk, which oh, I did no. beat. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow. I did beat. All you got to do is Fion every single freaking turn <laughs> and run them, out, them of run out of switches. <laughs> Okay, nice. Do you play Tool Scrapper as well? No, I wish I did. <laughs> I mean, if I, I guess did play not... Tool Scrapper though, because here's the thing: like, I got, I got beat by an ADPZ because the ADPZ was playing. Well, I one of the games I made a misplay, so I won game one pretty handily, easy. Game two, I I got a little bit greedy and I accidentally put I put down a Zigzagoon when I didn't need to, and so they like boss Zigzagoon for game. Um, which I regret immensely. But game three, they they played Toughness Cape. And so on a Rangaroo with Toughness Cape, that makes it harder because that's that extra 50 HP on a Rangaroo. And so then you can't do the combo that I had of doing the 20 spread, 
attach the vitality band KO with the 100 damage. Mm. So I really wish I had tool scrapper. I don't know if I had a single tool scrapper, if it would have really made the difference. You would have had to have it match. Yeah, in the right turn too. Yeah, I would have had to have it in the right turn, and I don't think they would have knocked out a Pokemon before, so I wouldn't have been able to use Rosa, I don't think. Um, I'd have to review the footage again. I haven't done that yet. I've been way too busy, but um, it's pretty... It was fun. It was fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. I didn't make Top Cut. I just missed. Um, but um, I'll hope to be able to do one again. I don't think I can do the second one in our store because we have basketball that day and basketball controls my life <laughs> um i don't think i can get it done before like 5 30 because i think tip off is 5 30 but anyways i'm excited to do the next team challenge i'm probably going to bring something meta just based on looking at everything i could probably bring something like um Santa scorch and probably do pretty well yeah, I think Santa Scorch has has a good matchup with everything that I pretty much saw, especially because there was a good chunk of fire decks. There was a good chunk of like there was a Cinderace there. There was a Chandelure there. Oh, my gosh. So, your your locals is wild. Yeah, it was like all off meta. It was a lot of off meta, which was surprising. And then there was a lot of Luke metal too. Luke metal was like the second most popular deck it was right up there with ADPZ. So um, I think Santa Scorch could do really, really well in that meta. So I'll, I'll start messing around with there. I've seen some people like, uh, like Cashman always doing great lists with Santa Scorch. And then also Tate Weitzel did really well in the GG tour. I believe it was, uh, yep. I believe it was third. I believe it was third. Uh, he did very well. And he tweeted like, how have I not played Santa Scorch yet? And everyone's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> It was, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff going on right now, and there's a lot of great information that's going on. And one of the things that we want to talk about, it's the topic of online tourneys. So with that, Sean, do you want to take away, because you presented this idea, you have the best explanation probably for this question. Yeah, but before I do that, I just want to applaud Jake's transitions today. That is... Just, I feel like you've been practicing these transitions on the side. Because I got absolutely giga-fucked in <laughs> my Nuzlocke twice. Oh, my gosh. My but, brain is moving at a much slower pace. <laughs> but, I mean, no, I'm saying that it's good. It's impressive. These, these no, are yeah, not- yeah, but it's under unfortunate circumstances. <laughs> That's the problem. Only when Jake is absolutely fried are his transitions smooth. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so topic of online tourneys. Um Something that's been floating around in my brain, and you know, when I mentioned it to Jake, it was like, oh, that is kind of, yeah, that's an interesting topic to start talking about, is um, I think everyone would agree that online tournaments have been critical for the community to keep going in these last nine months. Uh, without it, like, there's, there would be literally no reason for people to play. You would have the ladder, which is trash, and that's it. <laughs> and then you would have the random players' cups that have happened in between, but... That's not really going to fill anybody's time. We we go. You would have no way to like judge the meta, basically. Exactly. You would literally just have a ladder meta, and that's it. So, I I think it's important to say like you know limitless comes along though. Uh, A lot of you know a lot of individual tos come along. Tournament organizers they make their own tournaments using whatever software is available. Just straight Discord. In the case of Neil Pie and the Sunday Open back in the day. Then you had people using Challenge. That's how uh, Hegster started out. Um, And then eventually they've all sort of now amalgamated into Limitless, the Play Limitless tournament uh, organizer software, which is absolutely amazing. It's so nice to have everything sort of under that one roof uh, and for that one roof to be designed explicitly for Pokemon with like the whole card base as part of it. It's just ideal. Um, But knowing that, knowing that so much energy and effort has gone into this, uh, which would never have happened otherwise. Uh, the question is, and I'll also say, there are, there's two things. One is there's currently eight tournaments in progress on Limitless with 24 more tournaments scheduled in the next week. So you do have this one angle of like, you know, when we will reach the upper limit of the number of tournaments that are actually viable week over week. Because 
you do think like, okay, like it's awesome that you can play in a hexer every week and you're not, you don't have to, right? But mm. a 200 person tournament every single week, that's a lot. That's a lot for anybody. Uh, and especially if you're doing multiple, right? Like a Hexter event one day, a chill TCG the next, a Hyperlux on the weekend. Boy, I, I, I don't know how, how some folks find the time. Um, but that aside, I think the big question was like, how are these things going to live after Pokemon brings back IRL events? Jake, I've talked a lot uh, in my setup. <laughs> um, what do you think? What, what are your initial thoughts of like, where online tournaments go in, let's say, three months when IRL events that are sanctioned come back some places in the world? I personally think that I don't believe we're going to have... I mean, I don't think we're going to have a Worlds this this upcoming year. I don't. I don't think Worlds 2021 is going to happen, personally. I mean... We just like just now got the vaccine approved, right? It was approved, hasn't been distributed, at least in the U.S. yet. And, you know, we have to give ample amount of time. For everybody to get that vaccine. So I don't I don't see. We may have official Pokemon events in some countries, but I think it would be very limited and I don't think they would be that big or any high stakes. I mean. Let's be honest, if you, how many people will go to a regional? So let's say uh, Bochum is having a regional. How many people are going to go to a Bochum regional when none of the points count to worlds? There's no stipend you're chasing for. None of that. So I don't, I don't really see online events going anywhere anytime soon i think for the time being during the pandemic yeah i know a lot of people are saying like man i just want irl events back i just want to be able to hold a physical deck in my hand and shuffle cards profusely during my turn and in between turns because that's just how i jitter right <laughs> yeah but i don't see i don't see them coming back anytime soon it sucks I think that's just the reality of it. And I think that's just what we have to wait on. But I think these tournaments are the best thing that we can do as of this point. I think Play Limitless has done an excellent job with their site. I don't know. Like, let's say hypothetically Play Limitless didn't exist. You know, what are the what are the tournaments going on right now? There's Hegster that was competing on either like Challenge or Battlefy. I know. I think yep. they did Battlefy yeah, for a while. Yeah, they did do Battlefy for a bit. You're right. You know, um, there's there's Hexer. I don't think Chill was doing anything at that time. I don't think I think the Neil Pie was just going through Discord. Yeah, that was about it. I think Atlas was like starting to do stuff. Atlas with the uh, Pokey X, but Pokey X has definitely evolved, like prog like profusely, exponentially. That's the word that I was looking for. <laughs> I exponentially evolved. I just don't. I mean. But I don't I don't see this going away anytime soon. And I know once IRL events actually come back where there are worlds on the line, where there are points on the line, where there are stipends on the line, it's going to take out online events drastically. Here's so I, I think, yeah, that's the interesting point, right? It's like if it doesn't come back in three months in a meaningful fashion, I think, yeah, that's absolutely accurate. Um, but for whenever it does come back, whether that's three, six, nine months from now. Um, when it does come back, so you're thinking that like, you know, the online tournament scene will take a massive hit because, you know, to the point you're making people, it's awesome to be able to play online. There's definitely a convenience to that, but ultimately, you know, the people who play competitively play for those points for sanctioned events to go to worlds, you know, mm -hmm. um, and it's like, no matter how awesome of a tournament organizer you are for online events, it'll always be hard to compete with that incentive structure. I want these online events to say, like, think about how great it would be for someone like me that's, like, super busy a lot. I don't get to compete in a lot of events compared to, like, someone like Cashman or Caleb Rogerson or Gabriel Smart or... Well, I, I would have never anyone. had a game against Cashman. Without this, like, I don't live in Singapore. 
And, you know, it's probably, it's highly unlikely that I will be at an event where Cashman, you know, even if he can travel, like how, what's the likelihood he'll travel to the exact regional I'm also going to, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's amazing. Like you get to play against these people potentially that you never get to play against otherwise. And it's not only just that, but like, this is what has kept people competitive, right? These are very like low risk you know, I, I think this will have some sort of influence. I think this will have some sort of influence on small play Pokemon IRL events when those come back, like small challenges or even just like local league nights. Because you think about it in here, you queue up to a Hegster or something. You queue up to a Hegster. You're like, you know what? I'm going to bring... I'm going to bring like a Excadrill control or Flygon. You know, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring something whack. Yeah. I'm going to bring something that I think is fun. Cause all I have to do is like pay a pack or two, which is an easy grind in the, you just got to win like one tournament in PTCGO to get two vivid voltage packs. Like it's so low cost. And so I feel like it'll somewhat trickle down because challenges are like what? It's like five bucks. Or whatever. Now, granted, you have to buy the cards to be able to build some of those like more fun decks, which could get expensive. But I think it'll provide a little bit more enjoyment at the local level, at least during like league nights. At least during league nights to mm -hmm. play something fun to not to not be like. I mean, obviously, you want to win every single game, but not like a. Um, not I got to bring hard. ADPZ to every single event. <laughs> so my thoughts on this, this, you know, I think people talk all the time like that the Pokemon company broadly, you know, the TCG competitive scene is just a tiny little fish for them. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> uh, like, you know, they're all about selling them packs and you don't, you, you know, having a TCG scene is like an, uh, a side effect of of having a card game that just basically allows you to sell a collectible. That's the that's the foil, right? Um, yeah, that's literally it. <laughs> but we're a small minority in the in the people who like Pokemon cards. And you know, and the company is like you know very adamant. They like for the now. There's no reason to believe that they don't like selling physical packs as their main business model. So I think to that respect, in that respect, you could argue that they're not going to change their online client to make a competitive ladder. But you know what I would love to see? And this is a, a genuine business proposition. If anybody at T TPCI happens to listen to the pod, um, I know a couple of folks on Twitter interact with the community quite a bit. I, Miabu uh, is pretty active on the Twitter scene with um, Pokemon folks. But if this message reaches any of those folks, I would seriously reach out. I know that they probably worked directly with Limitless in the past on other events or in some capacity. I would be in co contact with Limitless to actually create a, uh, a TO verification system for online tournament organizers specifically and have sanctioned online events um, that you could apply to be a TO for, right? So the people who run Hexters, you pick like one or two point people and then it all get, gets run through Limitless as like the TO software for that. Now, I've heard that that they're making a new software, but like I think Limitless would be like, that would be a real, I think, good thing for the community to acknowledge the work that's been done. Um, and it would also allow them, so like you could actually award points. You could limit the number of sanctioned events. So like right now there is a tournament every single night it's it's pretty wild. I don't think they would expect Multiple that. Multiple tournaments every yes. night. Yes, uh, but you could say, hey, every TO you get one sanctioned event per month as an online tourney, and then you know if there's 10, 15, 20 TOs, that's a decent amount of sanctioned events. But you tell players you can only compete and earn points in up to two sanctioned events online. But I think they could really figure out a way to bring points into the online community. And, and you would do it in a way that it, you don't have to be an LCS now. Like a few organizers, like these organizers who've really been a part of this could apply, get the training to be a part of the official program, um, and even teach Pokemon how these online events have run in the past in these last nine months, right? And so 
And then if they were to do that, that solves Pokemon's online competitive problem. All without Pokemon Company having to really do all that much. You know, tweak does your... This, does this create an indirect pressure to LCSs to sign up and create online events? I think in LCS, I think you may have to, if you're a TO. Because you think about it, like there are some places that their literal way that they stand is through Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Then then like local league nights, people coming in, buying packs, stuff like that. If people aren't coming in your store, they're not buying stuff. Oh, yeah. I don't. What I think what you would do is you would always limit like you could artificially limit things to say every online TO only gets one sanctioned event a month. Right. You keep it frequent Mm -hmm. enough for them to bother continuing, but you keep it limited enough so that you're not interfering with all the local challenges and cups that happen in in the various areas of the country that, or whatever country you're from. So you would just interweave these online events as kind of an in-between. They're in between a you know league cup and a regional. That's kind of where I would see them. Um, in that like, and they, that might even be a way, like I don't think they're going to eliminate SPEs, but what they could do is region lock SPEs a little bit more harshly you know, because that's a complaint people have is people flying in for points in mm-hmm. SPEs. But now if you have the option to just do these online events, because, um, like, you know, Pokemon's got to realize having these online events and the amount of people who stream these events and the amount of viewers, people like Azul, you, Mellow Magikarp, um, Hegster. It's nothing. But, I mean, but the amount of viewers that all those people combined are getting on Twitch when they stream their events too is absolutely wild. Um, I don't think it would hurt locals if they were to put a few restrictions in place that still, that still encouraged people to go to every league challenge and every league cup for their locals. You know, you basically say, Hey, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, you can go to as many league challenges as you want. You're only going to get a top eight. Let's say like, you know, it's top eight points and challenges, top eight points and cups. But then for online events, maybe they make it, you know, every quarter, it's just top two. So even if you want to compete in all of them, you're not going to earn points for any more than two online events in a month. And and I think that this is a really cool idea because it also like limits travel. So like you, you, you provide more safety. So let's say like the vaccine is on the back end of distribution. Most, most everybody's got the vaccine. We've got COVID under control for the most part. Like it's like there's still there's still cases that are happening, but it's at a very, very controlled level. So it's okay to start bringing it back because I think they're going to bring it back as soon as possible. I don't think they're going to wait until it's completely gone. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think, you know, they're going to take a conservative, but not entirely like we can't wait till the virus is eradicated globally. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. I, what what do you think about that idea, Brawley? Though I, you were talking about it there, I like I like that idea. I like the idea of incorporating some online tournaments, getting to know Limitless. You know, using this site. I don't know if they have like a deal with RK9 though. That's the thing, because like the team challenge is specifically through RK9 Labs. So yeah. I feel like there's like some sort of deal there, and I feel like if I actually have some insider was... knowledge that I obtained over the weekend. Are you allowed to say it? I am, because nobody told me not to. Um, okay. So the team challenges are going through rk9.gg, right? Yeah. And rk9.labs is actually a different website. Did you know that? Oh, same I company. Know that. But that so rk9.gg is their new interface that is that is being rolled out for Pokemon first. Mm. And because when I went to sign up for Digimon, the they didn't have the ability to have multiple card game accounts under one umbrella account as you. So I had to like have them delete my Pokemon pop ID from the old RK nine labs. And, uh, oh. yeah, yeah. I had to have them delete that to add the Bandai one. But the person told me it was like, Oh, don't worry. Pokemon's on RK And in the future, we're going to add multiple card games to RK So, but yeah. Fun fact of the day. Uh, fun fact of the day. But I think you might be right. That's an that's an interesting, like, you know, 
putting the ten, taking the tinfoil hat off a little bit and like looking at the pure business model thing or like business relationships, they seem to have committed to RK9 pretty heavily with Team Challenge mm-hmm. um, to the point where RK9 is basically debuting a new interface for them. Like that's gotta that's gotta be the big seller. But you know, if I'm Pokemon, I could be like, you are our number one IRL event, and IRL events will continue. But I mean, I guess regionals. Here's the thing. Reg- but why would you have inconsistency then between? Well, here's the, the thing. Because look at think about all the problems. If you did online events specifically through Limitless, but then you did physical events through RK9, like think about. Think about the inconsistencies, especially when you factor that into your championship series. You're going to get so many people that are trying to sign up through RK9 when it's supposed to be an an online event on Limitless, and you're just going to and like vice versa. I just I don't. Well, here you have to go all in. Here, here actually, go here's on. the thing: every tournament organizer can use their own software. That's actually um, aside from like there's like the official Pokemon internal software, but um, Atlantic City Regionals was nefarious for. Uh, notorious, I should say, for using a different pairing system than what than RK9, and the reason being is they didn't want to, I think, pay the premium that RK9 charges. So the yeah. tournament organizer can choose to use a bit different pairing software. Not and Pokemon doesn't tell them what they have to use. Now that rule may change, but I actually think knowing that for IRL regionals now, I think that it would be totally fine for it to be like. You know, it, Pokemon is trying to promote RK9 Labs because they like it. But, you know, um, for all the online events, you know, if if you want to do it through Limitless, you can. Maybe they'll give people the option to use different, like RK9 or Limitless. Mm-hmm. Um, when, as a TO, you can choose. Like, I just love this. I just love Limitless so much because, like, I can go to the Hegster, which I'm not competing in. I can see that a Flygon right now is 4-0 currently through four <laughs> rounds, and I can go ahead and directly look at the list. You know, whereas RK9, I think I have to be registered in the tournament to be able to see the different lists. Yeah. Is that a true statement or a false I, statement? I think that's a true statement. Yeah, you have to be registered to see stuff, and I think that's also like a remnant of RK9 being used for um, IRL events where deck lists are not open. Mm-hmm. And there was all these complaints last year about like if you knew somebody's birthday and their Pokemon ID, which is not oh that hard God, to find, yeah. you could go in, say you were that person, and even if you couldn't like log in, you could see the information about them just like by searching them and see their deck list. So I think that is a a hangover artifact from IRL no deck lists, like the deck list being um, hidden. Uh, versus how Limitless is operated with the online events, but I just think Limitless is like the best site that we've oh. had in a long time. It's oh, such yeah. a good information guide, and I man, it just makes me so happy to be able to like look at it and just and be like, I'll take that. I'll look at that list. <laughs> yeah. I want to play that list. Well, that's why I want to see them like that hard work go to something long lasting. No, yeah, I do too. I would love to uh, say, I mean, from their iterations from just posting like regional results or like big event IRL event results to going into like what it is now, just absolutely f- stunning. But I I don't think that'll happen. Sadly. I mean, I think you are a very realistic individual with that outlook, unfortunately. I hate to think I, that about Pokemon, but mm. I, I, I mean, it's too good. It's too good for Pokemon. <laughs> it's too good of an idea it's for Pokemon. Literally too good. They did so well. I, they, they shout out to everybody at Limitless that did. And shout out to anybody that did anything with that site. Shout out to any of the tournament organizers who also did all this before. It was easy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got like. You got Ethan, you got Neil Pie, you got all of them. Yeah, Madison from the Chill TCG series, man. You, yeah. you the real MVP. Y'all the real ones. All right. Uh, well, I think that's it on that topic. I think uh, the last thing I wanted to just say was uh, I'll be on the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast this Wednesday is when it should be coming out. So did a little chat with them if you want to get some insight into you know, mostly like content creation, but, uh, you know, some other random stuff, uh, 
just give that another search in your podcast app of choice, Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast. If you want to check them out now before the episode airs, I was also on that podcast uh, not too long ago. So you can listen to the episode that I had. And then by that time, you could probably hear Sean's. Yeah. Um, all right, Jake. Anything else do we want? What do we want to prompt for this week's uh five-star review? I guess like what has been in in this season? Here's the here's the prompt in the five-star review. What is the most defining card? We talked about it a little bit earlier. We were talking about how Pikaram, I kind of hinted that maybe like ADP is the most defining card in this past season. You know, in the tw- in the 20 in the infamous 2019-20 or wait, no, 2020 just 20... 2020 basically. Since Zacian came out, I would say. Yeah. Ever since rotation happened basically. No, nah, the Sword and Shield from era. Unbro- yeah. From Unbro yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what has been the most defining card? What has been the most defining card? I mean, my brain has turned to <laughs> jello. Uh, what's your most defining card and what's your favorite flavor of jello? And uh <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had jello in years. Yo. Uh I haven't either, man. That that stuff is uh it's it's tasty. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh that tastes good. It's just sugar, just flavored sugar. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> just grab a cup of sugar and just pour it in your mouth. Mm. Can't be that bad. Gelatinous sugar. All right. Well, on that on that sugary note, on that sweet note, uh I'll say I'll say goodbye to all you lovely folks. Bye.